Welcome back to Shore Sports Talk on 94.3 The Point, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management. I am Vin Ebenu. My guest here this morning is Michael Huber, a certified mental performance coach based out of Fairhaven, Monmouth County, helping student-athletes across the Jersey Shore, all grade levels, all sports. Uh, he's my go-to mental performance coach here on Shore Sports Talk. I have had him on this show several times Short time, news time, always a great conversation. Mike, welcome on back. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me. Great to hear that I'm the go-to. <laughs> we, you know, we have, we always have good conversations and everything. We always dive in deep. So sure. I'm like, you know, I'm going to have Mike back again and again. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's a nice time of the year. Spring season obviously well underway for... Well, for all sports, really, let alone mm-hmm. high school sports and everything. And then with uh, the high school level, you know, I think I talked about it on my, uh, the sh- this show recently. You're thinking about it, right? Like um, Major League Baseball, you got a whole six months, 162 games, mm-hmm. a little bit less than that. And the minor league level, a little bit less than that. The collegiate level. And then in high school, you're basically going through almost like a two-month sprint type of se- type of thing Mm -hmm. with games maybe two or three times a week, maybe a little bit more. Um, And then it's just kind of moving around with weather and stuff like that. So it's even less of a schedule for, not just with baseball, with any spring sport. Um, So you really got to focus in on trying the day-to-day stuff, the practice stuff. And I imagine that creates a lot of pressure for some of the high school athletes, either with weather delaying things, postponing things, canceling things. And just the, I mean, eventually the games get made up anyway, um, but they're like, oh man, I only have X amount of games to show what I got and show all that I could be. Um, So have you had many conversations with student athletes on this and what would you recommend? Well, it happens all the time, and I think the, the metaphor I usually use is like there's there's a clock ticking, right? There's like sort of a, a clock ticking in your head going like, I have to do this by this time or else it's not going to be a success. And so I, I think thinking ahead like that can create a lot of anxiety, a lot of pressure that's unnecessary because if you're thinking about that, then you can't really focus in the moment, right? So mm. one of the things I'm really interested in doing with all my athletes, regardless of gender, age, sport, is really getting good at sort of being present in the moment, right? And being able to focus on what's most important right now and and being able to sort of execute on their job in that moment rather than thinking about results, which are largely out of their control. And it's got to be tough trying to figure out how to navigate through the things that you can't control. Like you feel like in sports or with how you go about your daily routine in terms of practice, even just your daily life routine. Okay. I get up at a certain time. I have breakfast at a certain time. I, you know, shower at a certain time, go to school at a certain time, practices, uh, whatever, two to four on these days Mm -hmm. and a nighttime practice on this day, or we have a game on this day. Um, and I feel like sometimes when you break an athlete and at any age, I mean, we see in professional sports, when you break them out of their routine and their, their habit with what they're accustomed to doing, it's kind of like a test. Like, how do you react? Do you act like, okay, no big deal. I could just move on or like, oh man, mm-hmm. I, I, I got to figure out when to do this, when to do that. I, I got to find time to get in a lift or, you know, do this or that. And it's, I feel like it's like two different kinds of athletes, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's, well, I think most athletes are that way. And I think a lot of it is identifying the, and, and this comes up a lot 
is identifying first what you can and can't control very explicitly because I think the way I would describe it to them is it's very elementary, right? Like it's almost like makes it's it's so it makes so much sense. Like why are we even doing it? But I think if you can identify what you can and can't control very specifically, it builds an awareness of like okay, when this comes up in the moment and I can't control it, then I could put my finger on it. Because once I could put my finger on it, then I could do something about it. And I think listen, we all all athletes go through you know things happen to them externally that they can't control right and and it's it's okay because sports are important it's a huge part of a young athlete's identity like nerves are 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 real but at the end of the day right like being able to sort of navigate that and reduce the amount of time that there's an emotional reaction or there's a negative thinking you know spurt like how do we boil that down to the shortest period of time so they can recognize that hey this isn't helping me i want to get right back into the moment where I need to be to focus and, and really execute. Right. And then it's just finding a way to execute, especially, you know what? I guess layoffs too. It's like, yeah, with the mix of all this, you're like all of a sudden games get moved around or practices are getting moved around or your, your own routine is getting moved around because of school or I guess, especially if you're involved in other sports, it's like all of a sudden there's a layoff and in season, we're not like off season or anything. You're like, Oh man, it, I'm not talking like a day. It's like two days, three days, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden you're like, okay, how do I stay mentally and physically sharp? Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> point. right? And I think what we think about a lot of times, like when you go back to the start of the conversation, when you were talking about sort of being under pressure because of a short season and a time constraint, right? We typically think of, well, if I get, if I don't produce results early, then that sort of compounds the pressure and so there's like a prolonged slump but the flip side of that is right like maybe you come out of the gate after three or five or six games if you're a baseball player and you're hitting 500 and you're super hot and then all of a sudden you're off for a week because it rained right right? that (laughs) that breaks your momentum right so how do you manage that and i think a lot of it comes down to okay i can't control the weather right what can i what what can i do today in place of a game to then replicate a game as best as I can to make sure that I'm staying sharp, right? And that's not an exact science. There's an mm. art to that. But but not looking at the rain out or the weather or something and judging it negatively to sort of blaming that, right? To like identifying it and being like, okay, there's nothing I can do. Yeah, it sucks, but let me get back to work, right? And I think a lot of times that that's really a really um, effective way for young people to to cope with things that are out of their control. I feel like it's when we're all young. I mean, our minds are all over the place, like with so much energy and stuff like that. But and so much to think about too. But when trying to, I guess, mentally prepare, like let's say, game was rained out, you have an extra day, maybe two, if there's mm-hmm. a lot of rain going on, which does happen <laughs> in sure. spring in New Jersey. Yep. Um, but how how can what are some good ways that could, that could help some of these young athletes? Okay, they're laying on their bed at home. All right, no, uh, quick practice, maybe a quick workout, but then I'm back at home again. I got homework to do, I mean, but I really wanted to play there. I wanted to be there. Okay, I got the game tomorrow, or it's been rescheduled for two days, or here's when the next game is. Is it as simple sometimes as just closing your eyes? Let's use the case of baseball or softball. Okay, um, here's the at-bats I think I could have, or if I'm pitching, or wherever I am on the diamond – here's the situations, here's the team we're playing next, or is it like, um, is it trying to think of all these different things as once? I mean, I guess talking about it sometimes, it, it feels like it's simple, like, okay, 
you know, I, I spent like 15 minutes or a half hour or whatever thinking about everything ahead, I can I feel a little bit more relaxed. Now I have a game plan. I know how to approach it. Or is it just kind of like you find that a lot of student athletes are just kind of sitting at home, just constantly thinking and overthinking? It's a really good question. I think first, the first thing that's important is that like every athlete is different, right? And some athletes thrive in that analytical, um, you know, mode of constantly rehearsing, like mentally rehearsing or, or practicing visualization, which is really what you're describing, right? Some sort of mental rehearsal to see the game, right? I think that's a really valuable strategy for a lot of athletes. It's something I would, would work with an athlete on as an example, right? But not every kid is good at being able to sort of wrap their head, you know, head around their own thoughts, right? Or visualizing. It's a skill, right? So the other thing I would say is, is that I think one of the things that I run up against, especially with high school athletes, is they're so, so much of their lives revolve around their sport, whatever it is. Mm. In the spring, it's baseball, softball, track, what have you, that when they don't have it, it's like a crisis. It's an identity crisis, right? And so one of the things that I think is really important, too, is have other hobbies, have other things to do. Sometimes getting away and mm. looking at the break as an opportunity to do something different. Right. Or to give yourself a mental break or to recover and not do anything. Right? Sure. I think that's actually a bigger issue with athletes at this age is they constantly feel the need to be going and going and going and they're not recovering. They're not taking time off. They're not letting their bodies heal. They're not resting and taking a nap. They're not eating the right food. Use the, the layoff. Looking, If you look at that as an opportunity to recover and make your body better and make your mind better, now all of a sudden it's a, it's the same situation except it's completely flipped on perception. And, and some athletes do benefit. They're like, oh, you know, I could re I really use the day off or come to that realization to your point, like, oh, you know, that, that day off or two helped me. And now I feel like a little bit more relaxed physically and I'm ready to go. And then all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't always happen, but, you know, all of a sudden they go out and they have a game. Maybe they go three for four. Maybe they pitch a shutout or something like that. Yeah. And I was just, it's funny. I just, it, you know, I, I was just on my own, my own podcast was talking to um, a physical therapy professional and he was talking about spring season specifically and how there's sort of a, um, you know, there's a over, um, there's an abundance of soft tissue issues because a lot of the athletes are not prepared for the volume that they're about to, to go into. And mm. I have a couple athletes that I work with, one with a hamstring, one with uh, a heel issue, right? Like these these very specific lower body issues that now they're taking on all this volume and they're playing every day and they're not ready for it, right? So really taking those opportunities to not, to rest and to like not overuse because you're going to do it because you want to get as much volume in now and stay right. active. but. But it could lead to injuries that you don't want that either. Because to your point, if I have a 30-game season over the span of two months and I've got a hamstring injury that keeps me out two or three weeks, it's like a half season, right? Yeah. Like you want to stay healthy. <laughs> and then you know, sometimes if you're nursing any kind of soreness or pain or even a minor injury, like uh, I could use a couple days off here. I need a little bit of rain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think you know one of the things you see with young athletes, and I can relate to this from my own experiences when I was young, is like when we get hurt, especially if it's not like something that people know about, like serious, we yeah. keep it to ourselves and we keep playing because we don't want to come off the field. Right. <laughs> but that gonna compound the damage, or maybe I'm not playing at the same level that I would have if I was completely healthy, right? So do I keep it to myself and try to play through it, or do I actually come forward and be like, hey, I need a week off. I know it sucks that I'm gonna miss three games, but I need time. 
right? So it's it's a really it's a huge issue, huge challenge for young people. I, I tried to do the same thing. Um, like I think one time, and <laughs> I know it was little league, but I played through a strain quad. <laughs> it was painful just oh my, to try and run. Oh my goodness! I, like, I, when I, was, oh, I gotta do it. When I was in high school, hit I, by pitches. I, I pulled a gro- I pulled a groin, and I tried to play through a pulled groin. And if you know if you've ever had a pulled <laughs> groin, like you can't. Yep. There's nothing you can do, and like you just basically like gritting it out. And I just never said anything and just played, and it was. You know, I got through it, but I wasn't 100%, and it was not pleasant. Do you think it's okay? That it's a, I mean, I've always had that competitive spirit, uh, either as an active athlete or just with anything in life in general, for young athletes to develop that sense of competitiveness while being mindful and being safe through playing through injuries, but um, in looking ahead to what an uncertain future. I mean, you never know. Maybe you end up at a big-time college or in the pros one day, or maybe playing through injury just leads to more injuries and you don't end up to that goal. Is it, mm-hmm. How do you, what would you suggest to, to young athletes who are in their teens trying to contemplate all that, like with an uncertain future, like, oh man, I better play through this so I can get scouted and go to a big college or achieve my pro dream one day, or maybe as competitive I am as and I, much as I'd love to be out there, maybe I should just bite my lip and just sit out. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's a it's a really important question to think about, right? And the, the the overarching thing I would say to any athlete, and I'm really big on this, is, hey, you can do whatever you think is best for you, but you need to understand the consequences of that choice, right? It's your body, it's your career. If you want to play through an injury, like, go for it, right? But understand that it's either going to get worse, or maybe you're going to play at below capacity, and now your your performance is suffering, and you're it leads to a spiral in your confidence because I'm playing at, you know, less than 100% and now I'm performing at a lower level, which ultimately becomes sort of a snowball, right? Like that's 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 one thing. Um, I think the other thing too is I think athletes, young people particularly, put so much importance on one game or one week. Oh, yeah. And, and what I would say is, is like if you're a good enough player, taking two weeks off to heal an injury is not going to impact your long-term future, right? Like, if you're a good player, people understand their injuries, you'd rather be healthy to get over it. Now, the flip side of that is, I think a lot of athletes that are at that age group, and I, again, personally can really relate to this, is I think they don't want to sit out because they don't want to let people down. Right, right? yeah. They don't want to sit out because they don't want to let their coach down, they don't want to let their teammates down, they feel like they need to be out there. And maybe that's true, right? Maybe 70% of one kid is better than 100% of another. But at the same time, like, is it the best decision for the team, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're making that decision on your own in your own head without actually talking to somebody else who says, like, no, I want you to rest. I'll give you permission to rest. Right. We don't want you to hurt yourself. We're going to let you take a break. Then it's totally different. And I think a lot of times young people don't have the wherewithal or the ability to come forward and have an honest conversa- conversation with the coach because they're afraid of what's gonna what they're gonna hear back. It's that's it's a great point too because you think like oh man it's like I should be out there but like am I if me not going out there at a hundred percent or even eighty percent is my performance going to help the team win or is it going to lead to an, an error or mm-hmm. a poor performance at the plate or me coming up in a critical situation in the game where I need to get a hit and not just mm-hmm. you know a single get on first. I, there needs to be an extra base hit kind of thing here. Am I going to be able to make it there yeah. or am I going to be able to make the throws I need to make and, and so forth. So it's like it's trying to find that balance between trying to I guess 
just from what I'm thinking here, individual statistics and what you're trying to do, and then like, will my performance positively or negatively impact the team while trying to play through an injury? <laughs> yeah, and, and I think the, 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 the point that I would drive home again is, is that I think sometimes a 16, 17, 18-year-old thinks that they're making the right decision in their head because they're basing it on the assumptions that they're making and the stories they're telling themselves. Right. But the truth of the matter is, is you probably can make a better decision if you were to consult somebody else, right? Like a coach or a parent or what have you. Now, the the, the wild card or the, the X factor in that is, do I trust that person? And I think that a lot of times, if an athlete doesn't trust a coach, they're not going to come forward because they're afraid afraid that the information is going to be used against them. That's a really complex issue. Oh, right, yeah. Very tricky issue uh, because it's not always the case that there's complete trust between a coach and a player. Um, but if there's not, it hurts the team and it hurts the player. So it's like really trying to work toward that place where you can feel comfortable coming forward and saying, hey, I'm hurt. I'm not feeling good. What should I do? And having the coach say to you, hey, this is what I think is best and you believing it. But that's... That's not always the way it works. Uh, right. <laughs> We'd love to things th- for things to work out a certain di- yeah. way, individually, team-wise, and everything, but sure. it's just trying to, I guess, add to that list of obstacles and challenges that, I guess, ultimately make us stronger in the long run. Yeah. Uh, one, one more question on the injury front, Mike, because um, we, we brought up a lot of great points about it. With not just playing through the injury, but in this case, suffering an injury that impacts their season significantly or just ends the season overall. Maybe it's some sort of significant shoulder, elbow injury, maybe a knee injury, something where like you know that once you get that diagnosis, you're you're done. Uh, or maybe it's an injury where best case scenario, you miss a couple weeks or in a, a month, if all goes well, maybe you're there for the end of the season in the stretch run or playoffs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they are out for a significant period of time or suffer a season-ending injury, uh, what can they do emotionally to try and deal with that news? Um, and then after sort of that settles in and they're, they've accepted kind of what just happened and the recovery process ahead, how can they go about just you know going to practice and going to games every day and every week and being a good teammate. There's there's a, a lot to that, Then um, I, I think the word you used in there is really important is acceptance, right? Accepting <clears throat> that this happens, injuries happen. Right. That's part of the risk of being an athlete. And we all get injured at some point, right? Some of us minor injuries, some of us major, right? So accepting it is really important. I think every athlete's going to be different in terms of how they cope through a rehabilitation of an injury, especially a major one. But I think by and large, the one piece of advice I would give is don't don't try to do it alone, right? Again, talk to somebody, right? Whether it's talking to a friend, talking to a physical therapist, talking to a therapist, talking to a sports psychologist, whoever it is, talk about what you're going through, right? Yeah. Because it's going to be hard because the thing about injuries that makes them so tough is the uncertainty, you know, and I think you alluded to that. The idea that I don't know if this is going to go the way that the doctors are telling me it's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be 100%. Now, the... I think the the bigger challenge that we see now because of modern medicine is that if there are even major injuries like a Tommy John or an ACL mm. or all these kinds of real major reconstructive surgeries, the technology is so good that they work, right? You rarely hear about an injury that doesn't, uh, a surgery that doesn't take anymore. The harder part is once that person is 100% 
physically is then going out and playing, performing like they're 100%. So I'll give you an example. I, I just started working with a baseball player, pitcher, who had um, a major arm surgery. Okay. Um, and he is now through that recovery process. He had some bumps in the road, but it's been clearly documented that he's 100%. And in bullpens and in, in, you know, in practice, he's throwing with the velocity that he had pre-surgery, mm. right? When he goes into a game or he's gone into a game this spring, he's throwing significantly slower. Interesting. Reason being, mm. I think, or at least my hypothesis is, is that he's afraid to take the risk emotionally, not the physical risk of re-injury, but that emotional risk of like, what if? Yeah. Right? What oh. if I don't? Yeah. I'm not. I'm supposed to strike this guy out because I throw 92, but now I'm only throwing 84. So then it becomes this mental block of like, I can't really let myself go because if I do and I get beat, what does that say about me? Right. You know. And then there's also the fear of re-injury, which I think a lot of times is definitely there. But I think a lot of times it's more just about being able to perform at that pre-injury level and not really letting yourself go. And I think that that's something that somebody like me can help an athlete with in terms of finding those strategies and those tools to get to a place where you can let it go and, and let your body do the work because it's capable of it and the doctor said so, and you're not getting your own way in your head. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and just one of the challenges that a lot of high school athletes face now, whether it's short-term injury, long-term injury, an illness, uh, missing time for any number of reasons, um, and then again, as we alluded to at the, at the top of the conversation, just the shortened season. So there's, there's a lot of obstacles, uh, that I think sometimes get either overlooked or underlooked <laughs> facing today's high school athletes. Um, and I know we've talked about it in the past with social media and all that stuff too, but what do you think are some of the, the biggest challenges facing student athletes today at the high school level that, um, you know, here we are almost midway through 2023, how can they, especially for those, um, you know, playing their last season here. How, how can they <laughs> try to fi- balance all the all the different things going on in their life, uh, mentally and emotionally? That's that's a tricky one. I yeah. mean, it, it is it is really hard. I think I think what's interesting. I'll just make an observation and then sure. I'll try to answer yeah. your question. You know, I I've I, I work with a number of athletes, high school athletes who are seniors and are going on to compete in college, and I. What I've heard from them is that it's actually, it's very hard for them because it's a very weird time because they feel like I'm supposed to enjoy my senior year. Oh, yeah. I'm supposed to have fun. I'm supposed to do this. But now you have this like, you know, specter looming of what's next in college. What's it going to be like? Am I going to be able to compete? Like all these things. So like those athletes are the ones that are going to keep going. They're not done and they're struggling. I think sometimes for the athletes who are not going to go forward, they are able to make the most of it and know that there's going to be a hard stop, mm. right? So, so in some ways, it's like there's different issues for different people. I, I again, I think for me, a lot of it is is trying to keep perspective, right? And 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 there's different ways to do that, right? One way to do it would be to to really think about what you're grateful for, right? Like, yeah, I've had this opportunity for the last how how many years to play a varsity sport in high school, like. Most people don't get to do that. I've been with my friends. It's been a great experience. I'm going to remember the times that we spent 
on the bus to and from games, not necessarily the games themselves, right? Like having some element of gratitude for like what you're experiencing rather than thinking about, well, this is what I'm going to lose. I think the other thing that really helps a lot of athletes is having a purpose beyond sport, right? So when we're thinking about what's next, like college, like what do I want to get out of college? Like what's important to me? What do I want to study? What do I want to be when I grow up? All these things, like if you have a purpose that takes you from, hey, sport is my life to this is going to be my life, yeah. I think it is really hard when an athlete says, I want to keep going, and they fight that, Mm. and they can't keep going. And now you've got this resentment, this resistance that creates all sorts of anxiety and angst and trouble for them that can lead to other issues, you know, from a mental health perspective. Absolutely. Uh, Just so many things to consider, especially when it seems like time is just passing by. (laughs) Like I have so much to do, so little time, so much to try and figure out, uh, especially for the upperclassmen. Okay, this is my junior season or the seniors Mm -hmm. that, okay, I got to think about this. Um, Am I set for college? This is my last season, my last chance to prove it. Or maybe for those who athletes who don't, aren't, you just say, you know what, at, when this season's done, I'm done playing. I'm not going to play in college. I'm going to focus mm-hmm. on my studies, whatever. Like, man, time is winding down. My last few games, my last few weeks with my teammates, with my coaches, you know, my last few weeks of hanging around on the buses and in practice and goofing around and having fun. It's, it's almost like... Um, I guess at, at any level, even college, where it's like you're already missing it before it's over. Yeah. And then I feel like sometimes that could become a distraction, too, from the, from actually enjoying the present. Uh, that's a really, <laughs> that's absolutely right. It is a distraction. And in, in, by definition, right, you're looking ahead to something that hasn't happened already, <laughs> and you're missing the point, right? Yeah. Now, listen, I think, to, in fairness, right, like that idea that it's coming to an end is a process, right, of... To put it into like life terms is a process of mourning, right? Mm. Knowing this is going to come to an end, and it's I had there's nothing I could do about it. It's yeah. going to happen, right? Yeah. Which that's life, right? Like you have to learn to deal with it. I think the antidote to me to that is really trying to appreciate what you have in that moment as much as possible. To look at the good and say, man, I am really lucky to be in this situation, and I'm going to try to get the most I can out of it because you know what? Tomorrow's not even guaranteed. Right. And I, and I think, yeah. uh, listen, when you're 17, 18, 16 years old, that's, <laughs> that's hard to do because you're young and you know, oh, you yeah. can reasonably expect that you're going to be here for a while. Right. Mine's all over the place. But, but if you, <laughs> but if, but if you work at it and, and that's something I would work on with an athlete is, Hey, let's keep, put this into perspective. Be grateful for what you got because mm. a lot of people don't have it. So enjoy it, appreciate it, get the, soak the most out of it as you can and then at least you could say you have no regrets. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. I mean, just li- <laughs> it's, I guess another reminder to live in the moment. <laughs> yes. Yes. A question, because this came up, I had a conversation with um, my old uh, high school football teammate, Nico Stridi, last week, on, on, or recently on the show, rather, uh, just about, because talking about football specifically, you know, there's so much that goes into the FBS schools checking you out. Basically, by the time you're a freshman or a sophomore in high school, they've they've kind of already got you you reeled in. I mean, the one of the recent examples is Arch Manning getting the son of Cooper Manning getting recruited by so mm-hmm. many big time colleges. He ended up choosing the University of Texas, but they were after him like before he even got into high school. Um, 
but it just kind of opened my eyes recently in talking to Nico on the show about this. Just basically, it's not even just seniors. It's you got to get yourself set by junior year. Um, but if if you really want to be at that level and you are that good to play at those FBS schools, and nothing wrong with any kind of FBS or FCS or D2, whatever. I mean, we, we've seen guys get drafted into the NFL from D3 schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it does happen, but it's it, it's it's just kind of bizarre, I guess, in certain parts of the countries, too. I mean, you, you think about some of the big football cities like Florida and Texas. But New Jersey has a has a lot of talent as sure well. Does. And certainly from the just from football. So it's like they start taking a look at you when you're in middle school and like the mm-hmm. Pop Warner or whatever related youth leagues are out there across the country. So do you think that there's a lot more pressure either today or just in general for certain sports or certain players, let's just say football, with Getting into the the head of a, an eleven or a twelve year old, saying I get to have a really good season on the football field if I eventually want to go to the University of Florida or Alabama or Notre Dame or Rutgers, whatever. That I got to be really good in middle school, and then by the time I get into my freshman sophomore year of high school, I got to be one of the best, not just on my team or in the area, but one of the best players in the state. And kind of thinking ahead. <sighs> Well, I, I would say, that, and this is just an opinion, but yeah, I would say that, yeah. you know, there are certainly, I think there are going to be 12, 11 and 12-year-olds, to your point, who have that dream and are thinking about it. Mm. But I'd say the vast majority, uh, mentally and emotionally, aren't thinking that far ahead yet, right? So that's one thing. Two, I think, let's take football, right? Like, yeah, there are going to be kids who are eighth graders or freshmen who are getting offered or they're getting recruited actively because they're so talented, right? But that doesn't mean you can't develop a ninth, 10th, 11th grade to put yourself into a position. If you're a good player before you graduate high school, someone's going to find you. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? And, yeah. and that's part of it, right? Yeah. There's a developmental curve, especially in terms of physically, right? The other thing is too, is like a kid might not know to 11th grade and he goes like, I'm really kind of good at this. Like I want to play in college. Well, now it's, what do I do? Right, because I think that that's one of the things about cr- recruiting that creates so much anxiety. Yeah, is because there's a perception of the recruiting process, and partly true, that like I'm being selected. Right, it's out of my control. They need to find me. That's only part of the the equation. If you want to go play at a particular school and you think you're good enough, yeah, you can email the coach. You can send the coach video. Right, you can write them an email and say, "Hey, I'm really interested in your program, and here's A, B, and C, Y." Right, like you can start to take control of that recruiting process, and they might say, "Hey, I've never seen this kid before in my life because there's tens of thousands <laughs> of kids." But I like what I say, like, right. and I want you, right? And and sometimes for coaches, and I tell kids this all the time, whether it's a kid that wants to get drafted professionally or a kid that wants to play in college, you can't predict, you can't read the mind of a coach in terms of what they're looking for, right? Mm. Every roster is not going to be 53 all-stars, superstars, right? It's going to be role players. Oh, guys, yeah? Guys who yeah. tackle, guys who play special teams, right. guys who can block, guys who can be good practice players, right? Like, we don't have the, like, just take a professional example. We mm. don't have the budget. We don't have the payroll, you know, salary cap space, and not everybody can play. So we need role right. players, right? So you never know who's watching. Like, hey, I love the way that kid plays. He's not the best kid. He's a two-star or three-star recruit, but I see potential, right? And so I think it's there's a, mis- a, a misconception that I have to be the best player on the field to get recruited or drafted, and I don't think that's necessarily true. Absolutely. 
Mike, appreciate your your time and perspective as always, and insight. Um, just into so many great topics, would, and we'll definitely have you on again. Uh, I'll definitely have you on again at some point <laughs> soon. We'll talk about uh, the state of uh, youth, uh, high school sports, anything. Appreciate always talking sports with you. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. That is Mike Huber, certified mental performance coach, based in Monmouth County. You can go to michaelvhuber.com to learn more about Mike, his book, his Freshman Foundation podcast, and so much more. More Shore Sports Talk, sponsored by Shoreline Wealth Management, right after this on 94.3 The Point. Let's face it, investment concepts and financial planning can be very intimidating and confusing. Shoreline Wealth Management addresses that feeling head on. Their goal is to educate you while offering financial advice without buzzwords and jargon. Shoreline includes you in the process and makes you comfortable every step of the way on your path to financial freedom. Shoreline Wealth Management is your financial anchor. Visit ShorelineWealth.com for more information today. Shoreline Wealth Management, with offices in Manchester and Manahawkin. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC.